My name is Rick Renner, and I'm standing inside the Church of the Holy Sepulchre in the heart of ancient Jerusalem. This is an amazing church. The one we're looking at was built during the time of the Crusades. But much earlier than this, during the time of Constantine, the first church was built on this location because of the Holy Sepulchre. That's what's behind me. This is the tomb where Jesus was buried. I know it doesn't look much like a tomb. It looks like a very religious site. Why does it look the way that it looks today? Well, there's a little story involved here. When the Emperor Hadrian came to power, he decided to destroy every remnant of Christianity and Judaism in Jerusalem. He was so against Judaism, for example, on the Temple Mount where the temple had been, he built a temple to Zeus. He totally desecrated that location. And here, where he discovered was the tomb of Jesus, to hide it, to conceal it forever, he built on top of it a temple to the goddess Aphrodite. But long after he was gone, and Constantine came to power, and his mother, Helena, began restoring all the Christian sites, Constantine gave the order for the temple to Aphrodite to be demolished and removed. And when they removed it, guess what? They found the tomb, or they found what was left of the tomb. The truth is, Hadrian's attempts to destroy the tomb actually preserved it. And now, for nearly 1,700 years, Christians have been coming here regularly to see the place where Jesus was buried and where he was raised from the dead. This is really the authentic location. Now, I know that there are other places in Jerusalem where people say, well, I know another place, for example, a garden tomb that feels better. Well, it feels better because it doesn't have all of this decoration. But historically, this is really the place that was always identified from the very earliest years as the place where Jesus was buried and Jesus was resurrected. This is true. This is not a hoax. This is not a fairy tale. Jesus was buried. He was sealed. And on the third day, he came out of the tomb. And that's what I'm going to talk to you about today. Stay tuned for a teaching you can trust, a message that will inspire, strengthen, and equip you with vital insights and understanding from the Word of God. Here is Rick. I have really been looking forward to today's program because today we're going to see the death of Jesus Christ was no hoax. Why is that important? Because even in Jesus' time, there were allegations that he didn't really die on the cross, that he was still alive when they put him in the tomb and he just came out of the tomb. Others alleged that his apostles came and stole his body and then claimed that he had been resurrected. But when you really understand what's written in the four Gospels, there is no doubt Jesus was really dead when he was placed in the grave. And today I'm going to show you from Scripture that Jesus' death was no hoax. It's very important for you to understand this because his resurrection is the key to our faith. It is center to everything we believe. If there's no resurrection, then we have no faith. Jesus was really raised from the dead. But before we get into the teaching, I want to remind you that you have a golden opportunity this Sunday. This is Easter. People are more inclined to go to church at the time of Easter. And you should seize the opportunity to take people who need to hear the good news of the gospel. Maybe a friend or an associate or a family member. 
maybe someone that has drifted away from the Lord and needs to recommit their life, or someone you know that's never been born again, they've never made Jesus the Lord of their lives, right now they will be more open to go to church where they can hear the good news of the gospel. And I'm praying for you that you'll be bold, that you'll be courageous to say, come on, go to church with me this Sunday, and let's believe together, you and me, that we'll see your friend saved or rededicate their life to Christ this Sunday. And if you need someone to pray with you about that, call us. We would be glad to pray with you for boldness and courage to invite people to church where they can come back into contact with the Lord, rededicating their life, or coming to know the Lord for the very first time. This is your golden opportunity, so don't miss it. I also want to remind you that I'm offering you my series called Unknown Facts about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, a 25-part series based on these programs with a marvelous study guide. The back of the series says, these are the events of Christ's last days and hours revealed. Wow, it is just amazing. I want you to order this. We're also offering you my book called Paid in Full, an in-depth look at the defining moments of Christ's passion. I know this will be a blessing to you because it's a blessing to me. I wrote it and it's still a blessing to me. I can't remember everything I write because I write a lot and sometimes I have to go back and review what I've written. And I've been reviewing this book. And my, this book is loaded. This book will really take you somewhere new in your understanding of Christ's final moments. It's just packed. And I really want to encourage you to order your copy today. But today we're going to pick up where we left off in the last program. In the last program, we were looking at Jesus' final words when he cried out and said, it is finished. And the Bible says that then he bowed his head and he died. And soon after that, he was buried in a tomb that was near to the place where he was crucified. And today you're going to see there is biblical evidence to prove Jesus' death was no hoax. He really died. He was dead when he was placed into that tomb. And today we're going to begin in John chapter 19, verse 41. And in John 19, verse 41, the Bible says, Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden. That word garden is the Greek word kephos. This word kephos describes any garden with trees and spices. It could be translated an orchard. It is exactly the same word used to describe the garden of Gethsemane, which was an orchard of olive trees. But now this word kephos is used to describe the place where Jesus was crucified. And the Bible says near to the place of crucifixion, there was a garden, kephos, a beautiful garden. And in the garden, a new sepulcher, wherein was never man yet laid. When the Bible says a new sepulcher, the word new is the Greek word kainos. This word kainos describes something that is fresh or something that is unused. And according to this verse, near the place where Jesus was crucified, there was a garden, and in that garden was a brand new, fresh, unused tomb. Well, if you've ever been to Jerusalem, maybe you haven't, I hope you get to, but if you go to Jerusalem and you go to the church of the Holy Sepulchre, you'll find Golgotha Mountain is there, where Jesus was crucified, where he died. And near there, just like this verse says, is the place where Jesus was buried. His tomb is there. You can still visit it today. And according to this verse, it was a fresh or an unused tomb. And the reason it was unused is because it was that fresh. It had just recently been cut out of the rock. And we know from Scripture it was a tomb 
which belonged to Joseph of Arimathea, who was a secret follower of Jesus. And the Bible tells us in Matthew 27, verse 60, Joseph of Arimathea took the dead body of Jesus and laid it in his own new tomb. That word kynos, freshly made, his unused tomb. He had had this tomb cut out for himself, but of course he's still living and Jesus has died. So now he says, I'm going to use my own personal tomb for the burial of Jesus Christ. And he lays him in his own noon tomb, which he had hewn out in the rock. And then he rolled a great stone to the door of the sepulcher and departed. Every word in scripture is important. And this word hewn is also very important. It is a Greek word, which means to cut out of rock, to highly polish rock. It implies a special tomb, a highly developed tomb, a refined tomb, or a tomb that was splendid and expensive. Only wealthy individuals could own tombs like this. In Israel, most people were buried in simple tombs. And if the tombs had doors, they were doors that had hinges. No, no, not this tomb. This was a tomb hewn out of the rock. It was very, very expensive. And the Bible tells us three times it was hewn out of the rock. It tells us in Matthew 27, 60, Mark 15, 46, and Luke 23, verse 53. Why does it tell us over and over? Because it confirms the wealth of Joseph of Arimathea. This was a very wealthy man's tomb. And this was in agreement with Isaiah chapter 53, verse 9, that prophesied the Messiah would be buried in a rich man's tomb. Listen to what the Bible says in Isaiah 53, verse 9. And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, prophesying the Messiah would be buried in a rich man's tomb, and that is exactly what happened in the case of Jesus. But when we come back to John chapter 19, verse 42, John tells us, there laid they Jesus. Now words are used that are very important to describe the placing of Jesus' dead body in this rich man's tomb. First of all, the Bible says, there laid they Jesus. That word laid is the Greek word tithemi. The word tithemi means to set, to lay, to place, to deposit, or to set in place. And as it is used in this verse, it describes the careful placing of Jesus' body in its resting place inside the tomb. So very carefully, they laid it inside the tomb. This is after Joseph of Arimathea and his friend Nicodemus had bathed the body of Jesus with spices. They prepared Jesus' body for death. And by the way, if there was any breath left in Jesus' lungs, if there was any pulse beating in his wrist, they would have known it because they spent hours hovering over his dead body, bathing it with spices, bathing it, ceremonially cleansing it, preparing it for burial. And if Jesus had been alive, they would have known that. But Jesus was dead. The fact that he was dead is affirmed by this verse, which says, then they carefully laid him in his resting place inside the tomb. And that's not all. Listen to what else the Bible says. Luke 23:55 says, And the women also which came with him from Galilee followed after and beheld the sepulcher and how his body was laid. When the Bible says these women beheld, it is the Greek word theomai, and that's very important. The word theomai is where we get the word for a theater. But in this particular case, it means to gaze upon, to fully see, to look at intently. 
So the women didn't quickly rush in and rush out, but they stopped almost like somebody who had stopped to watch something in a theater. They were watching every act, every movement. They came into the grave. They came into the tomb. They looked intently. They gazed upon the body of Jesus. In fact, the verse says they looked to see how his body was laid. That word how is from the Greek word hos. It describes very careful observance. These women really took time to look at the dead body of Jesus. So Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus had hovered over Jesus' body for hours. They knew that he was dead. Then the women came. They entered into the tomb. They looked at how his body was laid. They gazed upon him. The word behold, like a theater. They really looked upon him. They observed everything about him. And it's interesting that in Mark 15, verse 47, Mark says, they beheld where he was laid. And that word beheld is used in a particular tense, which means they continually gazed upon. In other words, they paused they pondered, they stayed there, they reflected, they really took time to look upon the dead body of Jesus, of course, because they didn't think they would ever see him again. They were saying farewell to Jesus when they saw him in that grave. And actually, Mark 15, 47 could be translated, they carefully contemplated where and how he was laid. But in Matthew 27, verse 60, the Bible says, after all of this took place, Joseph of Arimathea rolled a great door to the stone of the sepulcher and departed. And as far as they were concerned, everything was finished. This was their farewell to Jesus. But the chief priests and the Pharisees weren't so sure. They were afraid that the tomb was not secure. And as I told you at the beginning of the program, they were concerned that maybe Jesus' death was a hoax. Maybe he wasn't really dead. Or they were concerned that the disciples might come and steal his body and then claim that he was resurrected. And they were very concerned that the site be made more secure. So the Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 27, verses 63 to 64, that they came to Pilate. And these religious leaders said to Pilate, Sir, we remember that that deceiver said while he was yet alive, After three days I will rise again. Command, therefore, that the sepulcher be made sure until the third day, lest his disciples come by night and steal him away, and say unto the people, He is risen from the dead. So the last error shall be worse than the first. So they were concerned that Jesus' death was a hoax, or that the disciples would come and steal his body, then say the tomb was empty, and claim that Jesus had been resurrected. So their request to Pilate was very specific. Now listen to these words. They said to Pilate, command therefore that the tomb, the sepulcher, be made sure. What does that mean, be made sure? The word sure is the Greek word sphrigidzo. Now listen carefully. I'm going to read to you directly from my notes. This word sphrigidzo, here translated sure, describes a legal seal placed on documents, letters, and possessions, or in this case, a seal placed upon a tomb. The purpose of the seal was to authenticate the sealed item had been properly inspected before sealing and that all contents were in order. As long as the seal remained unbroken, it guaranteed that the contents inside were safe, sound, and undisturbed. In this case, the word sure, the Greek word phrygizo, 
to signify the sealing of the tomb. And here's what they were asking for. In all probability, they were asking that a string be stretched across the entrance of the tomb and be sealed on both sides by Pilate's official seal. Well, he was the governor of Judea. There was no higher authority than Pilate, and his seal was very important. No one dare break a seal that had been put in place by Pontius Pilate. This was serious business, and this is what they were asking for. But according to the words for Gidzo, they couldn't seal the tomb until first they checked it out. So for this to happen, it meant the religious leaders with Roman soldiers and officials from Pilate's court had to come to the tomb, reopen the tomb. They had to roll the stone out of the door and actually enter into the tomb. This word sfrigidzo would only be used once the contents had been checked to make sure everything was in order, which tells us emphatically beyond a shadow of a doubt that these religious leaders, along with Roman soldiers and officials from Pilate's court, went to the garden tomb and they rolled the stone out of the way. Now, Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus and the women were unaware that this was taking place. They thought the tomb had been sealed. They did not know another inspection was taking place. But here come Roman soldiers, Pilate's officials, religious leaders. They rolled the stone out of the way and they all go into the tomb to look at the dead body of Jesus. He is officially inspected to see if he is really dead. Is this a game? Is this a hoax? Or is he really dead? Is his body still there? They would have never sealed that tomb until first a full inspection had been made. That's what it means. But because the religious leaders were very afraid, they continued asking for more security. So in Matthew 27, verse 65, Pilate said to them, You have a watch. Go your way and make it as sure as you can. The word watch in Greek is the word custodia. The word custodia is where we get the word for a custodian. However, in Greek, in the first century, it described a group of four Roman soldier, soldiers whose shift changed every three hours. This was a group of four Roman soldiers whose shift was constantly changing, assuring that they were alert, that they were fully awake, that they were aware of what was going on. No one was going to sleep on the job. And Pilate said, you have a watch. A better translation would be, here, I'm giving you a set of soldiers. Take them and guard the tomb. And Matthew 27, 65 says, they made it as sure as they can. That word sure, there, means to provide added security, to assure security is achieved. And in Matthew 27, verse 66, it says, So they went and they made the sepulcher secure. They sealed it. They assured that security was achieved. Then they sealed the stone and set a watch. So I want you to understand what's taking place. The religious leaders, now having permission from Pilate, rushed to the tomb with the help of Roman soldiers and officials from Pilate's court, they roll the stone out of the way. They enter into the tomb to examine the dead body of Jesus to assure themselves he is really dead. They have to do that. It's part of the inspection before they can seal the tomb. They look at how he is laid, the way he's been bathed, the way his body has been prepared, the way he's been set in the tomb, the way he's covered with a burial shroud. They look at everything, and when they are fully assured, he is really dead. 
Then they walk out, they roll the stone back in place, and they seal on both sides of the tomb with a string stretched across the middle, and that is the seal of Pilate, which means no one has the right to touch this grave. Pilate himself has officially ordered it to be closed. And as if that is not enough, Pilate gives them a watch from the Greek word custodia, which means a group of soldiers who are changed every four hours so that they are constantly alert, awake, attentive, not falling asleep on the job. Look at what they're doing to make sure Jesus really is dead and that he stays dead. It's amazing. All of these things legally authenticated that Jesus was dead. Legally authenticated that he was dead. And when Jesus came out of the grave several days later, it was no hoax or fabricated story. Now let me go over this with you one more time. Joseph of Arimathea, along with Nicodemus, had prepared the dead body of Jesus for burial. Wow. They helped to embalm him. They helped to prepare him for burial. And together, with the help of the women that were there, they laid him in the tomb. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, examined the body. They, complicated every, they contemplated every aspect of the burial site to ensure everything was done properly and respectfully. They took lots of time to do this. Rome's official officers ordered then that the stone be rolled back. Then he went into the tomb and examined the body of Jesus to verify that it really was Jesus and that Jesus really was dead. Now you have to remember that Romans knew all about death. They were not easily fooled when it came to the subject of death. They were masters at death. They knew a dead body when they saw a dead body. The chief priests and elders then entered the tomb with Rome's official officers to look at the dead body and put an end to their worries that he had somehow survived. They would have never walked out of that tomb without knowing for sure that Jesus was really dead. Roman guards checked the contents of the tomb to make sure the body was in place and everything was intact. And after all of these inspections were complete, Pilate's official representative ordered the stone roll back in place, and while the chief priests, elders, and Roman guards watched, Pilate's representative sealed the tomb shut with the seal of the governor of Rome. Jesus' death had been legally authenticated. There was no guessing. There were no fears. There were no questions. It had been legally authenticated. But regardless of all the efforts to secure the site and to keep Jesus inside the grave, it was impossible for death to hold him. And that's why Peter said these words on the day of Pentecost when he was preaching. Listen to these words of Peter in Acts chapter 2, verses 23 to 24. He says, You have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain Jesus, whom God has raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that death should hold him. And because of that, the tomb in Jerusalem today is empty because Jesus came out of that tomb alive. He was placed into the tomb dead, verified, legally authenticated. But on the third day, Jesus came out alive. This is no hoax. This is no fabricated story. This is the truth. We're out of time, but I'll be back in just a moment and I'm going to pray for you.
From the courtyard of Pilate to the hill of Calvary, every step Jesus took on that Good Friday, he had you in mind. The Bible says Jesus died so our debt could be paid in full. In his book, Paid in Full, Rick Renner guides you through the details of Jesus' final hours on earth. In Paid in Full, you'll discover that this striking narrative of love and redemption is much more than the story taught in Sunday school. This powerful book can be yours for just $15. When you call or go online today, you can also get unknown facts about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Available in digital or physical formats, starting at just $40, you can discover the power of the cross and the plan to forgive mankind of sin like never before. Don't miss this special offer, paid in full, and unknown facts about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Call now or go to renner.org. My name is Joe Renner, coming to you from Moscow, Russia. And I want to tell you how your support is impacting thousands of people right here in Moscow. All around the world, people are living longer, and many elderly people in Moscow are left helpless and lonely. Loneliness is a terrible thing. No one should be left to die in loneliness. But because of your financial support, we're able to reach these wonderful people. Each week, we hold a concert for this great generation. After the concert, we invite these people to stay for a Bible study where they hear about Christ. Through these events, thousands of people have accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior in the sunset years of their lives. Would you consider joining us as a partner today? With your support, we're able to reach even more of these precious people. No one should die lonely. More importantly, no one should die without the opportunity to know Jesus. Right from your home, you can help us help others by becoming a partner and a part of the solution. Please call us or go online to winner.org. Your generous support makes a difference. Please call or go online right now. Today we've been looking at the death of Jesus Christ, which was no hoax. This was not a falsified story. When you really understand Matthew, Mark, and Luke and all the details that are written there, it's very clear Jesus was really dead when he was placed inside the tomb. His dead body had been examined again and again, and finally it was legally verified that Jesus was dead. It was so verified that they sealed the tomb with the seal of Pilate which meant everything inside that tomb was normal. There was really a dead body inside that tomb. But on the third day, death could not hold him. And the Bible says Jesus came out of that tomb. And we're going to be looking at that in the next two programs. Don't miss it. Jesus is alive. Jesus really was raised from the dead. And the Bible tells us in Romans 8, 11, that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead now lives inside you and lives inside me. We have the power of resurrection living inside us. Wow. Well, I'm speaking to you from a series called Unknown Facts about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Order this. I know it will really take you somewhere new in your faith. Also from my book called Paid in Full, an in-depth look at the defining moments of Christ's passion. But Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for the Spirit of God, the Spirit of resurrection that lives inside every born-again believer. And I call on that Spirit of resurrection to quicken you and to quicken your life and to bring life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for being with me today. We'll be back tomorrow. We're going to be looking at the resurrection. And remember Ecclesiastes 8.4. It says, where the word of a king is, there's power.
Let God's Word release its power in your life today. And I'll see you in the next program. Rick Renner Ministries is proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ through every available media to the uttermost parts of the earth. Discover the many ways you can help us make a difference in lives around the world with the Word of God. We invite you to partner with us in teaching, strengthening, and rescuing lives for the glory of God. Together, we can make a difference that will last throughout eternity.